The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, our show today is really about alcoholism and becoming sober. And in our society, everybody drinks. It's legal to drink. And... People keep it quiet. Now, even with members of the bar, we have to have these courses for continuing education on the effects of substance abuse because people don't even realize what happens to them. They're having a good time, and they slip into alcoholism. And it's a private matter. People keep it private. They're embarrassed to speak about it, and then, of course, it might come out in such a way that they get a DUI or they kill someone or they hurt someone or they end up so out of themselves that they lose their family, their friends, their marriage. So we have a wonderful guest with us. You'll get a kick out of him. He's got an adorable personality. And let me tell you a little bit about our great guest, Mo Murray. His real name is Maurice Murray. And he wrote a book called Just Snap Your Fingers and Bingo, You're Sober. So that kind of gives you an idea about what he's, he's all about. Um, He is retired, and um, he lives with his 12-year-old blind cat, Jackson, in a high-rise apartment building overlook historic downtown Charleston, South Carolina, gorgeous area. And Mo was bombarded during the prime of his life by alcohol himself, so he understands this stuff. He surrendered and always introduces himself as a grateful, recovering alcoholic. I love it. During his recovery, Mo served as a counselor and clinical director of a large intensive outpatient treatment center in the Northeast. And out of these experiences came Mo's book, Just Snap Your Fingers and Bingo, You're Sober. And that was how it was created. He was born in Dover, Delaware, which is on the other coast. And he has two grown children and grandchildren. And he has a wonderful website that you can go to www.bingoyoursober.com. Thank you, Mo, for joining us all the way from the East Coast. Thank you, Mari, for having me. I love your show. I've been listening in the past days to replays of your interviews, and they are fantastic. Well, you know, it, a lot of the times we talk about information privacy, we talk about surveillance, we talk about all sorts of things, but This is an issue that people keep private. If they're an alcoholic, they don't want anybody to know. We hear about all these closet alcoholics and people who are just in denial. 
So tell us a little bit about how you became an alcoholic and what you went through and and your awakening. Well, my I was traumatized uh, at about age forty when my marriage broke up and I dove into the vodka bottle. But I had custody custody of my children, so I I had to be a functional alcoholic, if you will, and. Uh, that put me into my graduate study of alcohol and the problems with alcohol and eventually led me into counseling and recovery. So you have this small book, which is adorable. I have it right in front of me here, and it's only 98 pages, but it deals with this timeless problem that so many people have, and it's called Just Snap Your Fingers and Bingo, You're Sober. Um, it's kind of controversial. It, it certainly doesn't repeat the standard approach that we're familiar with. What is, you know, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about the approach? Okay, I, actually, I think if you don't mind, and I don't think I'll violate um, the interview segment by saying I'd like to put the cart before the horse, in that I consider the audience or the readers for bingo to be the 90% of the people that have a problem with alcohol but don't really identify themselves as alcoholics. We have 50 million people in the United States that have a problem with alcohol. Only 10% of those ever get any treatment for it, either voluntarily or mandated by the courts. And really, bingo is for the 40% of the people. The 98 pages is to say, hey, um, you realize you might have a problem with alcohol. Let's take a look at it. Let's uh, uh, be an advocate for yourself in demystifying alcohol. Read it and take out of it what you want and then pass it on to a friend. So, Mo, let's start with the, the traditional methods of helping people heal from their alcoholism because it is a disease, right? Well, that's the... AMA, the American Medical Association, says it does. And I, I, Mari, I kind of hate these these arguments over is it nurture or nature, is it a disease or just behavior modification? Because it's you're you're discussing, you're not focusing on demystifying alcohol. You're focusing on how many angels can dance on the head of a pin. I I don't think my addiction was genetic. I really think that, uh, in my case, it's not a disease. It's behavior modification. But, again, the AMA in the 90s said it's a disease, and that was almost a 50-50 vote. Yeah. Well, it's definitely addiction. Would you agree on that? Oh, absolutely. And you do, once you get active in your addiction, you have what they call an addictive personality. And there are strong similarities in your personality once you're in the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, can we go back to the title and the word bingo? Um, tell us a little bit about how, how, about the title and how you got that title and why you titled it that. Well, I, my feeling, it's not as if this morning I started drinking and this afternoon, bingo, I got sober. It's a, it's a downward spiral of negative behaviors and uh, generally over the course of a year. And somewhere along the line, as they say in the rooms of AA, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. So on one of the little snipes on the on the cover of, of the bingo book, it says you are in recovery now even if you're still drinking. 
because your approach to the substance is changing. You realize that you can't, the alcohol can no longer be your God, that, that, that there has to be a better way. So when, when is it like when you went through your divorce? I mean, when did you slip into alcoholism and when did you kind of start to realize that, that you had a problem? Well, it, you, when you can't be functional and when you have responsibilities, you have to make a decision. Am I going to drop out of the parade and uh, pass my children to the wind and, or am I going to be responsible for, for controlling this substance and, uh, and be a functional a person in society and in the workforce? Yeah, yeah. So did you just, did someone confront you? I mean, were you in denial? Did Were the kids confronting you? Or what was happening that you kind of got it? Well, I, I think in, in so many cases, they say in the rooms of AA that we get them from Yale or jail. So alcoholics and people with problems with alcohol come in all shapes and forms. I started late in life. I used it as a coping mechanism. I never had any DUIs. I never had any job loss. I was uh, a responsible parent, but I was having a problem uh, more and more with the substance. So I just had to face it. I had to own it, and then I had to work out a solution. But did someone actually confront you, or was it just like, oh, my gosh, you looked in the mirror and you go, oh, my God. I mean, what was it that, that you made that? that shift? It was a combination of both. I mean, your close friends say, hey, Mo, we think you have a problem, and you look in the mirror in the morning and say, hey, Mo, they're right. You have a problem. And what this, now, uh, let me just, because I want these, the listeners to listen with a clear mind that, that Mo isn't trying to sell the book. I, I would like them to treat what's left of the interview almost as if an inter- it's an introduction to demystifying alcohol because the people that are targeted in the 98 pages of bingo are the 90% of the 50 million people that have a problem with alcohol but don't know if they're alcoholics. So it's, it gives them a, a little brief synopsis to look at themselves to demystify alcohol and say, hey, I can handle this. I don't have to I don't mean to, I don't have to surrender to a higher power. I don't have to say that I'm uh, uh, powerless over alcohol. I can be alcohol. So that, but the, the, the figures, and I'm going to get a little clinical here on you, but the figures, Amari, are, are staggering. It's um, half of all hospital emergencies visits are due to alcohol. 70% of child abuse cases are due to alcohol. Wow. 52% of rapes are due to alcohol. 86% of homicides have alcohol involved. 75% of all domestic assaults, alcohol. 40% of all traffic deaths, alcohol. That's 16,000 a year. I mean, this is the, the sleeping giant or elephant in the room. And, and, and one of the things I say to the 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 90% that don't think they're alcoholics, I give them this approach. And it's simply this. You didn't get in trouble every time you went out and drank. But whenever you did get into trouble, you had been drinking. Right, right. Now, if they think about that, then 
they'll take this download. If they go to the website and say, hey, Mo, reply with a, a PDF download, a bingo, I'll send it to them. Absolutely no cost. It's just the paper and the ink and a heavy-duty stapler to staple the 98 pages together. Right, and and they can actually go to bingoyoursober.com and they can download it, you said? What they'll do is they'll email me and say, hey, Mo, please reply, reply to this email with a PDF download of your book. Yep. And by return email, they'll have the book. And that's very, very generous. So if you're listening, this is a wonderful opportunity. I have this book. That's what I did. I just downloaded it, got it right in my hand, and it's a wonderful book. And you can get it for free by just emailing Mo, and you can go to bingoyoursober.com, and you can email him from there, right? Absolutely. And, and, and Mari, I'm not, I'm not harvesting emails. I'm not selling emails. They can use some generic email however they want to get it because – I'm 72 years old. I'm sort of a man with a mission. Uh, Voltaire once said, a man without a dream is not a man. And I, I love helping these people in the twilight zone. They, they're in denial that they're an alcoholic, but every once in a while they, uh, they lose control and drink too much, and then they have a problem. The, alcoholism is not a medical term. Basically, it's considered a loss of control. So if they ever lose control... Then they need to. Then they've got a problem with alcohol. Right, and you know, all of us want to have control over our lives. And if we don't have control over our lives, and we're and alcohol takes that away from us, then that's something that we want to think about, not allowing that to happen. I have to tell you, I, I kind of chuckled as we look inside your book. Your subtitle is a recovery workbook for alcoholics, but your first homework assignment. Is pretty strange. Why don't you tell them what the first homework assignment is? We had so much fun, Mari, with this on St. Patrick's Day, uh, in that uh, it's to learn to sing a song. And I hope you don't lose all of your listeners, but it's Finnegan Begin Again. There was an old man named Michael Finnegan. <laughs> he grew whiskers on his chin again. They grew back in and he shaved them off again. Poor old Michael Finnegan Begin Again. And that's, to most Americans, that's one little, two little, three little Indians, but that's an old Irish uh, reel. And that's important in alcoholism that when you get knocked down, you get back up. That's what Woody Hayes, the coach of Ohio State football, said. That's what football teaches you. In recovery, you've got to do that. If you have an unfortunate problem with alcohol and you get knocked down, you get back up. And one of the key things is you start getting support. Now, I'm not passing vote for or against AA. I'm an active AA member. But the community of AA is a community of recovering healers, wounded healers. You need support wherever you get it. You've got to, when you, when you confront alcohol in your own mind with your own rationale, then get support with other people that have a similar situation. And uh, you've got to have support. What about those people who say, oh, I'm not going to go to AA because I'm not like them. They're all drinkers. They all talk about how they miss drinking and they, they're all smokers. And what about that person who, who doesn't like AA? So what do you suggest for them, Mo? Well, I suggest they go to AA anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you don't even have to put any money in the basket. But they, and just sit and listen. When AA was founded in 1935 with... Dr. Bob and Bill Wilson in Akron, uh, they were 
wouldn't even let people speak in the different homes where they held the meetings for a year. And, and I just suggest you go and rather than qualify yourself out, because when you realize you have a problem in life with a behavior, you, you, you wind up with what we call terminal uniqueness. Nobody knows my problems. Nobody knows my problem with overeating, with smoking. I'm terminally unique. And don't qualify yourself out. Go sit in the rooms of, of AA. And all they need to have you sit in the rooms is a, a desire to stop drinking. Well, you, you may be fudging on that a little bit. But you will hear doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs stand up and, and share in the meetings, and you say, holy smoke, um, this guy has a bigger problem than I do, and he's in here. So uh, you, I say you, you, you give the NAA, not AA, for a little while. Then if you want to kick it to the curb, kick it to the curb, but get some support wherever you, wherever you, you go. There's support out there, and... Uh, go through your social network, uh, your community service, and, and churches, and that sort of thing. But get, don't try to, to wing it on your own because you're, you can be your own worst enemy when you're trying to change a behavior. Exactly. Now, let me ask you something. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the table of contents here, and the first chapter is Recovery Your Way. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Well, sort of... Uh, um, restatement of what of what I've been saying, that you can um, advocate for yourself, that instead of saying, I'm helpless and hopeless against alcohol, you're saying, hey, I can handle this. I can demystify this substance in my life. I can get some clues and some keys and work on this thing myself. And so uh, Recovery Your Way is, is, actually I start with a quote from St. Augustine, that your your order of loves is changing. Uh, alcohol is no longer your God. In my case, God, uh, who created me, becomes my God, and and uh, and that's the starting point. But but you have to do it yourself, and you have the power. It's about the enthusiasm for recovery, or the enthusiasm for understanding your relationship to this substance. It's it's a simple substance, but it's exactly the same chemical formulation as ether. Ether and alcohol have the same chemical formulation, except that alcohol has an OH chloride in it, and uh, they distill that out and they get ether, so it's an anesthetic. So this thing is a real knockout drug. Yes. And, and, and the thing is, you don't know as soon as you down that first drink what's going to happen, because all of a sudden you aren't good old Mo. You're good old drug affected, no. Yes. And and how about the family? How does that affect the family? I know you ended up you were getting you got a divorce and then you started drinking. But what about the family members? What happens with the family? That can be absolutely devastating. And I, I mandated as a counselor and clinical director that the first thing you look at is the family. Beatty's books, all her Melody Beatty's books on codependency, the family can get sicker with the disease than the alcoholic is. You know, they love, they care, the alcoholic is lying, his, he has his mood swings, and I first thing I say, said to my line counselors, find out the situation with the family, get the family in the counseling themselves, the wife, the husband, who's ever the victim of the alcoholic, and teach them the three C's of Al-Anon. The three 
so when you get into Al-Anon, so for those people who are listening who who have a spouse who is uh, an alcoholic or a boyfriend, we're sitting on the campus, you know, a lot of drinking goes on. So, you, you know, you gave those three C's, and why don't you give them again? Yeah, I didn't cause it. I didn't cause it. I can't cure it. I can't cure it. And I can't even change it. And I can't change it. So, what does that mean? If If the alcoholic chooses to continue drinking, then you don't have any choice. If you're a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you don't have any choice but to leave if they do not choose to get into any kind of treatment or do something about it. I don't know that it comes to a choice of leaving. It comes to a choice of you being well enough to create your own boundaries. I am Sarah Smith. I have these boundaries. And if Charlie, my boyfriend, or Charlie, my husband, uh, continues to, to lose his life, then gosh done it, so be it. Uh, I think that's a real hard thing if if the spouse or the girlfriend or boyfriend chooses not to do anything about it then you know really what are the choices of the spouse get into Al-Anon because these ladies and and I don't mean to be discriminating but uh, Lois Wilson uh, Bill Wilson's wife founded Al-Anon because she was almost at her breaking point when Bill was going in and out of rehabs and she was the founder of Al-Anon. And when you get in to the rooms of Al-Anon, these ladies, you talk about tough love, you haven't seen tough love until you get in there. And, and a lot of old-line old AAers, so let's qualify it or stereotype it, with men in the rooms of AA, hate Al-Anon because AA will not cut them any slack. Mm. I mean, what it, does it, that mean, not cut any slack? Well... There's an old adage, how do you know an alcoholic is lying? The answer is his lips are moving. <laughs> they, have, they, have lived, they have lived through so many of these, honey, I'll never do this again. Honey, I'll never do this again. Honey, I, you know, I, I just give me one more chance. And uh, they, at some point, they've got to protect themselves and the children. And, and they, they, the Al-Anon lady has to decide that she... Loves the husband, but she hates the behavior. You know, love the child, scold the behavior. And that's that's a healthy recognition. But when you do it, you have to take some action. If you say, I love you, but I can't live like this, then, then you have to take some steps and move out with the kids to keep everybody safe, or you have to do something to protect yourself to watch your boundaries, don't you? Yes, and I would say that what you what you need then is is the support that I've been mentioning over and over. You've got to get people that have gone through the same trauma, the, the same emotional situation, and how did they handle it, and what did they do? Because you, you immediately have to take the, the car keys. You doesn't try. You have to make some very specific daily hard decisions and. And it takes people saying, hey, I did it, and it worked this way, or I did what you're thinking about doing, uh, Mari, and it didn't work. Why don't you try this? It, just, it, it, it takes the support of people that have been there and done that. Right. So let me ask you something. How many, you know, you worked with treatment programs. How many treatment programs, or, or how how is it that... Um, 
people when they get sober, how do they, do they really stay sober? I'm thinking of Charlie Sheen or, you know, crazy people like that. But, you know, when they're in a treatment program, how many people who get sober actually stay sober? Some of the best programs, the uh, Hazleton program, they have several campuses. Their home is in Minnesota. The Betty Ford Clinic, they have, I think, and they that their figures are, are fairly honest, their degree of recovery is about 28%. AA is about the same. We, you have one out there on the West Coast, uh, Chris Prentice with, uh, in, in Malibu, that claims 98%. The recidivism, say that real fast five times, <laughs> is, is very high. Yes. But it, 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 the treatment does help and support the community of wounded healers is the way to go because it, recovery is really probably more a lifetime process than it is uh, flicking a light switch. I say bingo, you're sober, but what I probably really mean is bingo, you're in recovery, and you're in recovery now, and uh, concentrate on it. It's 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 awfully awfully important to uh, the wellness of your of the rest of your life and the wellness of the ones you love. So, you know, with the medical profession always coming up with all these pills and things, are there, how close are they to a pill to cure alcoholism? Well, yeah, I would say they're not close at all. But what they are really good with and have already in hand are uh, craving. Um, to reduce the craving for it? Craving, yeah. Let's just say having. In heroin, they have anabuse. In alcohol, they have uh, naltrexone. And what naltrexone does, it's a blocker. It reduces cravings by blocking uh, opiate receptors. So there, you're, you're not going to pop a pill. It's called pharmacological cure and be cured of alcoholism. What you're going to have is some beautiful, beautiful medications they develop to reduce the cravings. And then you combine that with counseling and a support group, and you've got a darn good chance. Right. So, you know, there are some people that um, go to AA and they just can't get in touch with their higher power or God. What do you, what do you say about that? You know, it, that's very interesting because the spirituality, yeah, uh, AA turns people off generally with a power greater than myself, a higher power, or it to- uh, turns people off with total abstinence. You can never drink again for the rest of your life. And sometimes it turns people away with the structure, the 12 steps, and regimenting your life. But really, some of the greatest counselors of our time, and I just lost one of my best buddies, Albert Ellis, with Rationally Motive Behavioral Therapy, he was a humanist. He didn't believe in God. In fact, he was a thoroughgoing atheist. He said, Mo, when it's over, it's over. And he, he and Carl Rogers were both humanists, and they had great um, uh, cognitive uh, recovery uh, programs, therapies. And that was completely without a God concept. Right. And, and they're, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you in that, the spirituality. It's, you know, sometimes I figure I can't do something alone. And if I can get, you know, my higher power or God or whatever you want to call it, you know, your spiritual values to help you through it, hey, it makes a lot of difference. Well, you know what? We are just about out of time. I want you to be able to give your website again and then tell people that they can download this. Why don't you just do that before we get off? Absolutely. BingoYourSober.org. 
on the last page is contact Mo. Say, hey, Mo, uh, download do the, attachment, the PDF attachment of Bingo, and it'll be by return email. And then uh, print it, staple it with an industrial strength stapler, read it, and pass it on to a friend that really, really, really has a problem with alcohol. And they, so can, then, they can also email you if they have a question, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and they're uh, true to the values of your your master plan of the station, they do have complete anonymity and, and privacy when they contact Mo. Right, and you're not going to sell their information because you'll be in big trouble no. with your friend Mari over here. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, Mo, you're so wonderful. We will tell people to make sure that they get this wonderful book, Bingo, You're Sober by Mo Murray. Mo, you're a wonderful guest. We will have you back again. Keep up the great work, and thank you so much for being so generous. And we will have your website on our website so we can share with that as well. So we will have you back. And and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Okay, you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, host of Privacy Piracy. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy, where you can see our upcoming guests. You can download podcasts. You can listen to archived interviews and you can write us emails about what's important to you or what your concerns are about privacy in the information age. Thank you. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.